everybody. Welcome to the EquipCast. My name is Jim Jansen, and I am your host. Got a great conversation for you today with Katie Keller. Uh, Katie and I sit down. Katie is the local coordinator here in Omaha for the Seven Sisters Apostolate, a group of women who are committed to one day a week praying for their priest or a particular priest. Such an awesome, awesome apostolate. Katie talks about like how important environment is, how she prays. She talks about how do you persevere when you feel like you're running uphill and you're just tired in prayer and it's not, you're just not feeling it that day. She talks about like, how do you know what to pray for, right? When you're interceding for someone, like it's just got to love it. You're going to love her answer. She talks about, here's how you know what you're supposed to pray for. Really very cool conversation today. Katie Keller talking about the Seven Sisters Apostolate. Take a listen. Welcome to the EquipCast for the Archdiocese of Omaha. Designed to help leaders to transform their cultures, to embody the pastoral vision, to be one church, encountering Jesus, equipping disciples, and living mercy. Katie Keller, welcome to the EquipCast. How are you? Hey, good. How are you, Jim? I'm really good. So I asked this question before we were actually hit hit record. Katie, when did we first meet? I think it was probably my freshman year of college um, when I was an undergrad at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. And yeah, you were a focused missionary. I was a missionary. Yeah. yeah. I got to know your sister first. Yeah, you didn't transfer right. in, did you? You no, just came as, you just came no. as like the, but little, it's funny though, the little sister. Yeah. Yeah. I transferred in as a younger sister. In, well, I didn't transfer in, but it's just funny because I feel like a lot of people thought that I was older than Anne, my older sister, but I'm, yeah, two years younger. Yeah. That yeah. may be more of a commentary on on the way Anne conducted herself. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> She's a young spirit. <laughs> okay. So you know how this goes. We're going to have a conversation about an exceptionally cool prayer ministry called, uh, called the Seven Sisters Apostolate. But before we do, tell people a little bit about your your journey of faith. When did you first encounter Jesus? What's your story? Yeah. So I was raised on a farm in Northeast Nebraska. Name drop town. <laughs> a little north uh, of the town called Newman Grove. Mm-hmm. And so just a little to the south and west of your beloved Cedar County gym. Yes. But, well, thank but, you for that. Wow. <laughs> but Madison County is great as well. I loved it. I loved growing up there. Um, I was a cradle Catholic. And just looking back, for me, it's just very evident how just the role and the importance of the domestic church. Um, I've just had a few priests in the archdiocese tell me that I grew up just more so in Protestant country, just because there's there's sure. no there's no Catholic church in Newman Grove. Yeah, and I think it's maybe the biggest town in the archdiocese that doesn't have a Catholic church. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, um, good, but, tri- good trivia. But yeah, yeah. Um, so just just I really just have a lot to thank to my parents and just truly living out the domestic church and. Yeah, just being Catholic was just so ingrained in our everyday lives that I just never really questioned my faith growing up. Mm-hmm. And even though I did have a lot of Protestant friends, it was still just yeah, so natural just to be Catholic. And um, I'm the middle of five kids, and okay. I'll just forever be grateful for the role that my siblings and parents had in just shaping the person that I am today. Um, Katie, I, so it's interesting. There aren't many areas. I mean, there are some within the archdiocese, but you know, little quick quick geeky tour of like the history of religious emigration in Nebraska. 
many of the Catholics settled in northeast Nebraska, north of the river. Yeah. The Protestants settled south of the river, which is why the Diocese of Lincoln has a, a, a really small relative Catholic population. A lot mm-hmm. of those towns, some of them have high co- Catholic concentrations, but a lot of them are, are dominantly Lutheran towns. And there's a little little Catholic community there. Have you noticed as you look back any effect that growing up in a, a, a not not a Catholic bubble, let's just say, not, you know, not not a little kind of ethnic um, Catholic community, any effect that that had on your faith in a positive way? Yeah, I mean, it really just made me lean into my parents in time of uncertainty, just because I knew that they were so devout, and just really mm. my church community and um, my dad farms. And so he farms with his two brothers and really just leaning into just my other Catholic relatives in times of uncertainty and just knowing that I had that community. Just yeah. really just, yeah. Yeah. I think there's a common, so I think there's a common phenomenon that like oftentimes if you talk to Catholics in the United States that are from Georgia mm-hmm. or South Carolina or like the South where it's like Catholics are still in many places a culture minority, there's a special clinging to one another and to the faith because it just wasn't the common cool thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So tell everybody about your day job. It's my day job. So I, after high school, I went to high school in Newman Grove. I went to the University of Nebraska-Lincoln for undergrad um, and graduate school and just kind of a little bit more about my story. But I feel like it was really there just getting involved with the Newman Center and like the folks missionaries, including yourself, that really just like invested in me and just other other amazing people I met at the Newman Center that just became lifelong friends that really just mm-hmm. allowed me just to grow in my faith. Um, but when I was at Lincoln, I studied entomology. And for those of you that don't know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which I feel like, yeah, some people we're, just don't. We're but need a, um, it's the we'll study put that in, the sh- in the show notes. Like those of you, if you don't know what entomology is, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So entomology is the study of bugs or insects. And so um, I got my undergraduate in that, and then went and got my master's in it as well. University of Nebraska Lincoln. So um, I got my master's in that. But now I I stay at home now. We have three little kids, five, four, and a one-year-old. And yeah, I stay at home with them currently. And it's, yeah, it's a fun life. That's awesome. So like when like, I mean, you are like the ultimate mom for biology. I mean, your kids aren't old enough yet for biology class, Mm -hmm. I don't think. But I mean, you're like, you know bugs. Yeah. It's really funny. Our four-year-old actually, he's a boy. Um, He yeah, he'd be like, mom, you're a bug scientist. And just, I don't know. I just hope that that just like plants a little seed for them. Not to necessarily like study entomology, but just to like, I don't know, just study what they're passionate love, about. Oh my gosh. I need to like, when we, we're, we're going to actually have some social time together on, on Saturday. And my daughter, you need to like talk to my daughter about bugs. Cause she's like uniquely, you know, like little girl stereotypes breaks them all. Cause she loves bugs. Mm-hmm. So, all right, we'll talk about JC later. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about this ministry. Like, I love the Seven Sisters Apostolate. It is exceptionally cool. So just give people kind of an intro overview. What, what is it? Yeah, so the Seven Sisters Apostolate, it's essentially a team of seven women who commit to praying one holy hour each week for a priest. Um, usually it's the priest that's serving in the role um, at their parish, but it's open to any priests in the archdiocese or diocese that they are uh, that these women are living. Um, the Seven Sisters Apostolate it was started in 2011 in the Twin Cities, the Archdiocese of St. Paul, Minneapolis, and now it's an international apostolate, so it's worldwide. The Seven Sisters Apostolate it started in Omaha in 2017, and we currently have in the Archdiocese of Omaha we currently have 56 priests 
who have a seven sisters group. And that number just is continuing to grow in wow. our own archdiocese. I did not realize it was, you said national and now international? It's now international, yeah. Wow, I I am learning something. I thought it was just kind of an Omaha thing. I yeah. had no idea that it was that that it was that big. Mm-hmm. And it's just, to be clear, seven women praying for one priest and everybody takes a day. Yep, and everybody takes a day, yes. That's awesome. Okay, mm-hmm. now we used a big word there, apostolate. Katie, what's an apostolate? I mean, Jim, didn't you do a whole uh, podcast episode on a I difference mean, between I apostolate mean, may, ministry? May, but maybe, Yeah, I forget what episode, but yeah, ministry but yes. versus apostolate. I mean, I would say the different ministry, I mean, in many ways are the same thing and you can get kind of nerdy like, well, a ministry is specifically delegated from the ministerial priesthood from, you know, from priests. An apostolate is something that flows like from your baptism, right? So a ministerial would be like the particular teaching that is kind of flowing from a pastor that he might delegate. But this is like, I'm baptized and this is where Jesus is calling me. Mm -hmm. I mean, let's talk about that. Like if if Jesus was calling you, when did you kind of get connected to this apostolate? When did you get like a sense of like, Jesus wants me to do this? Yeah, so... Like I said, I went to the University of Nebraska-Lincoln, and I met my husband there, and we got married at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln and moved to Omaha in 2017. And um, we were starting a group at my parish, St. Stephen the Martyr, back in late 2017. And it was really it was really divine timing of all of this happening because mm-hmm. my husband and I had just moved to Omaha and had joined the parish a few months, few months before that, and we're just looking for ways just to get involved at St. Stephen's. And I also, at the time, had a great aunt who was just in the final months of her life. And so I just got to spend a lot of time with her. And she was living in Omaha as well. And she just shared her passion and love of supporting our priest with me Mm. just around the same time that we were starting the Seven Sisters Apostolate at our parish. So it was definitely just like the Holy Spirit working through my great aunt. Yeah, just working through her that helped inspire me to join this group at our parish. I I love that you said said that because I'm guessing your aunt was different generation than us, a little older, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm embarrassed to say, I'm going to said this before, before we turned on record, but uh, I'm not embarrassed to say it. I didn't get the, I think, deeply engage, uh, deeply imbued culture of like, okay, we have to pray for our priests that I would say my mother has, and that generation had baby boomers. I didn't get it. And it was like, pray for our priests. I'm like, yeah, and pray for poor people. And let's pray, you know, that there's no nuclear war. And there's, I mean, I just didn't get the special emphasis until I was blessed to come alongside uh, priests as a co-laborer in trying to help, you know, as, as a missionary, try to help build a missional community. And then now, you know, in my, in my role, just called kind of by the archbishop as a special support to our priests. I'm like, oh, I get it. You know, just mm-hmm. as like, wow, we really should be praying for our priests. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I hundred percent agree. And it was, it was just really, yeah, it was really cool just to see her witness and like, I mean, I had that desire, but really just like having my great aunt just, she really just like lit that fire inside of me of just being like, this is important. Like we, we have a lot of groups. I feel like we have a lot of groups that pray for vocations, but mm-hmm. not necessarily for the priesthood. Um, and so I just love that the Seven Sisters Apostolate is specifically designed to pray for our priest just because they do go through mm-hmm. so much and there's so much spiritual warfare there that I'm happy to just offer any support that I can for yeah. our priest. 
Katie, what grabbed your heart about it? I mean, your aunt kind of lit the fire. Like, this is going to sound maybe an odd way to say it, but like, what is that fire burning off? Like, what's your, what's your why on this? Yeah, I just feel like the entire time, just ever since I've grown up, even at my time, we went to Our Lady of Mount Carmel in Tilden for mass growing up. And I just feel like all the priests there just served as just like great spiritual fathers. And then mm. even at the Newman Center, like Father, we had Father Mattia and Father Holdren, and they were just, yeah, just great spiritual fathers. And it was just so helpful. There were times when I just would go to them for questions that I had and just, I don't know, just having that, just someone that I could go to and trust was just so just so helpful for me spiritually to know that I had mm-hmm. someone that I could go to. And then um, even after college, I feel like Matt and I started to um, just get to know other um, seminarians. So it was kind of cool just to like walk with other seminarians mm-hmm. um, yeah. as they're like, you know, training, going through training and yeah. Uh, yeah, and just their schooling. And I don't know, it's just been cool to see like these, like these were men that I, like one of them is one that I knew in college and now he's in seminary. So it's just been cool to like see him like, pre-seminary and now in seminary and just like to realize that he's a person and like, I don't know, it's just like, how can I help like walk with him if he were like to eventually become a priest? Like I'd love to just, you know, get a seven sisters team for him um, if he's God willing ordained someday and just, yeah, I don't know, just to just walk alongside of these priests who are just so helpful for just so many people in their flock, in their parishes. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like Sounds like gratitude is what's kind mm-hmm. of fueling this. Yeah. And what's interesting is I would contrast that. Again, I don't want to put you on the spot, but it's decidedly not, I'm an expert prayer. Like, <laughs> right, like when I pray, stuff happens. It's more like, I'm just grateful. Mm-hmm. And, and from that grateful heart, I'm going to pray. Mm-hmm. So, Katie, I want to talk, I want to kind of build off that because I think sometimes... What I love about the EquipCast is we just we do get to every now now and then talk to somebody cool who's a famous artist or speaker or author or whatever. But I love talking just to kind of ordinary people who God kind of calls them and then kind of equips them. If you can, can you give us a glimpse of what what your prayer is like? Because you commit to do a holy hour here, and I'm assuming there's also like through the day, there's just a an offering of self as you go through your day as a, as a wife, uh, you know, and and mother. Give people a glimpse inside your prayer for priests. Yeah, for my own personal prayer life, and I feel like you have to have your own personal prayer life in order to offer inter- intercessory prayer for others. I feel like that's key, and. I've been trying to be better about carving out my 15 to 30 minutes of daily prayer each day, um, thanks to just currently being in the mentorship program. Mm-hmm. And but like, what do you do in that time? That that personal prayer time, like what does that look like? So, time wise, it's usually in the evenings or the middle of the day, um, either when my little ones are napping or they're taking some sort of quiet time or they're just down for the night. And we recently moved to a different house, and there's. There's one room. I feel like environment's huge on just your prayer life. And we recently moved yeah. and there's one room in our house. Used to be the formal dining room. But I just like envisioning making it like a little oratory or just a little prayer corner yeah. um, in one of the rooms. And just there's a chair. Like right now it doesn't have much furniture, but it's just like there's a recliner in it now that I just love to sit at. And it just has big windows. And um, I just envision having just a little bookcase and just adding just some more 
images, icons, um, a crucifix, Mm -hmm. um, just various things just to help kind of ignite that, that prayer time. Um, but right now when I do take my prayer time lately, I've been using, well, I've been trying to just be better about relational prayer and just really using scripture when I'm praying. Mm -hmm. Um, so lately I've been using for probably like the last month. So not like a super long time. I've been using, um, Timothy Gallagher's book called The Ignatian Introduction to Prayer, Scriptural Reflections According to the Spiritual Exercises. And that book has been helpful. Yeah, I really like it. And I'm only, I've only been using it for like a month. And um, again, I would like to be praying every day, but if I'm being honest, it doesn't happen every day. This is a safe place to be. But (laughs) yeah, so when I do, the times when I do use that book, it's been really fruitful just to have, just to have a guide while praying with the scripture. Um, Mm -hmm. just because I feel like, yeah, it can just be intimidating sometimes when you like open a certain book of the Bible and you're like, I don't know what they're actually saying. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and this is beyond like, this is beyond the, the memorized prayers that that we learn as children. This is like, when you said, I think you used the the term relational prayer. Mm -hmm. You're like, you're trying to have a conversation with Jesus or the father. And as you have that conversation, you're letting scripture spark it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Could you just, I, I don't want to stay here too long, but like, do you have like a little anecdote from like a recent one? Like, oh man, I was reading the story of the, you know, the the catch, just like a story from like, you're reading scripture and how that led you into conversation. So yeah, one of the examples that I was praying with recently was, um, it's from this book, the Timothy Gallagher and Ignatian, Do- An Ignatian Introduction to Prayer. And um, it's just with Isaiah chapter 55, verses 1 through 13. And mm. I really like this book because it gives you the scripture um, to pray with. It's usually like, I don't know, anywhere from like five to like 15 verses out of a chapter. And it just gives you just some different points to meditate on mm-hmm. um, throughout the verses. And one of them, so in Isaiah 55, verses 1 through 13, I'll just read a couple of the verses. It says, uh, verse one says, all you who are thirsty, come to the water. You who have no money, come buy grain and eat. Come buy grain without cost, wine and milk without cost. And I just remember praying with that and just, yeah, just the word cost just really stuck out to me, just that word. Mm. And just, I just wanted to spend some time with that. And this book has a point on that where it says, Come by without money and without price. I hear these words of pure invitation. There is no need to have achieved something spiritually before I can dare to approach. All that nece- all that is necessary is to come and receive God's gift. And I just love that idea of just knowing that we don't we don't have to achieve anything mm-hmm. or yeah, we're just our God just loves us so much, just so unconditionally. And it's just things like that that I just want to take and then in turn just help our priests just i mean i know they understand but just to help them just to fully feel that love that unconditional love of god and yeah, yeah. so i just want to recap this. so you're like your personal prayer before you even start to like begin to intercede or pray specifically you know for uh, your priest on your day you're just praying your own, on your own uh, every day, or at least as much as right you can. Yeah. And you find this space, and you sit down, and you've got your cool little Father Gallagher book, 
And there's a suggested meditation. So you're reading the Bible and there's a couple of points on that. And you're like, without cost. And it like, it hits you and this beautiful gift. And I don't need to do anything because I'm just loved and it's offered to me. And, and that's welling up in you. And it's like, oh, and I want our priests to feel that freedom too. Right. Knowing that they know it, but that we're all human and we forget it. Mm-hmm. What does your intercession look like? You've got this foundation of daily prayer. What does it look like when you actually intercede for like, oh, it's my day. What is your day? Like yeah. th- Thursday? Yeah. yeah. So um, yeah, if I'm praying a holy hour for the seven sisters, I try my best just to do that holy hour in a chapel. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would do it in the St. Stephen's um, Adoration Chapel and those holy hours, um, they'll usually just start with me just at first just sitting and um, sitting silently in the beginning and just asking the Lord if there's any way that he's calling me um, just to spend my time for that hour. And um, sometimes he does wow. lead me. Wait, so you, you, you start by saying, Jesus, how am I supposed to pray? Yeah. I mean, I know that's really simple, but like that's, that's awesome. What does he say? <laughs> I was going to say, sometimes he answers me and sometimes he doesn't. So sometimes I feel like he'll give me a nudge to to pray for either certain virtues or graces that he would like me to ask for an increase for, for that priest that I'm praying for. But sometimes the Lord just leaves it up to me. And mm. during our Seven Sisters Holy Hour, we are supposed to just pray for a deepening devotion to Mary for that priest whom we're praying for. So a lot of times I'll pray through the rosary as I'm asking for this deepening devotion to Mary. And then sometimes I'll use just other rote prayers that I've collected over the years. Or I'll meditate on the gospel of the day or the gospel for the upcoming Sunday and just ask the Lord if there's anything that he would like the priest to just be more aware of from that gospel passage. And then I also have some books that I like to incorporate into the hour as well, if there's time. And finally, I like to end the hours, which is offering just thanksgiving and just gratitude for the priest that I'm praying for and just thanking God for his yes to the priesthood and just his continual yes every day to the priesthood. Wow. It goes by fast, doesn't it? Sometimes. Some, <laughs> sometimes it does. Yeah. Other times, Jim, it's like, oh my gosh, it's it's Tuesday. I don't... I don't, yeah, it's just hard to find the, yeah. Desolation is real in prayer sometimes. And it's, there are certain hours that I struggle. I really have to ask for the grace of perseverance in those hours. And I'm like, gosh, it's only been 30 minutes and I'm supposed to be here for an hour. And what am I going to do? I don't know. And then my mind will start to wander. And so it's just, it can totally be just really, really difficult at times for intercessory prayer. Yeah. Have you noticed a connection to those times where it's difficult and you persevere, where maybe it feels like the Lord allowed that as a gift to make your prayer all the more fruitful? Yes. Yeah. At the time, it seems like an uphill battle. It seems almost like you're just running uphill. And I I like to sign up for races, Jim. <laughs> so I feel like I'm going to use a running analogy. but um, Go for it. Yeah. I just some, There's moments where I'm just like, You know, just sometimes, especially when you're at the end of a race, if there's just a big hill at the end, you're like, this is the last thing I want to do right now. Like, I'm just, I'm just going to walk or just stop or just turn around. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's just knowing that there's just something so great waiting for you. If you just climb up that hill, just finish, go past the finish line, say it's right after the hill. Um, Just knowing that, yeah, there's going to be something so great. You're going to cross that finish line. You're going to feel so just victorious, but 
just knowing, I don't know, there's just a certain, because coming back to gratitude of just knowing like yeah. I was able to do that and persevere through that hardship and yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, because I mean, it's not like you feel, you know, if you like, if you quit, you're like, all right, well, 30 minutes, I'm out of here. This doesn't feel good. It's like, it's not like you feel any better leaving. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right. What fruit have you seen? Yeah, so I feel like I have grown just so much in the virtues of generosity and perseverance through, um, and understanding just through being involved in this apostolate. And I've just also developed just some incredible relationships with the women on my team from our parish that I didn't know or might not have ever mm. have met had it not been for the Seven Sisters Apostolate. Um, you just developed this, this just this bond, this great bond with these seven other, well, so it's you and six other women, um, but you just developed this bond and they really do become like sisters to you. And do you all connect? Like, uh, I mean, cause you're doing your holy hours separately different days. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So yes, I feel like for the most part we do connect. Um, there's obviously some women that are going to be closer than others, but... Yeah, but um, there's a, is there a planned time for the group to get together? So that is totally... So going back to kind of the structure of the apostolate, so there's seven women on the team, and one woman from that from those seven will serve as the leader of the team, and she's called mm -hmm. the anchoress. And okay. so it's really just up to the anchoress. Um, there's no formal, like with the apostolate, there's no right. formal like your team needs to get together this many times during the year. There's no like formal rules like that. So I I currently serve as the coordinator for the Seven Sisters Apostolate um, for the whole Archdiocese of Omaha. But for three years, I served at, as the anchoress for our associate pastor at St. Stephen's. And mm -hmm. when I served as the anchoress, I was the leader of our team. And it was just really cool because the women that I was on team with, we just developed this weird bond where – um, we would just start to refer to each other um, as just whatever day of the week they were praying on. So I was Sister Tuesday and <laughs> Gigi was Sister Friday. And just it was just so fun just to like, I don't know, just see them not out in the wild, but just to like yeah. see them at the parish and just be like, hey, like, hi, Sister Friday. Hi, Sister Thursday. And just. Yeah. And, but um, there was a real bond. But it was. wasn't because there was a pre-existing relationship. Yeah. And it wasn't because there was. You know, like, oh, it was the weekly two-hour meeting. It was mm -hmm. just your hearts were together because you were sharing, I mean, you, you were sharing a mission and, yeah. and prayer. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That That's awesome. Have you seen, like, what effects have you seen for your prayer? And I almost feel bad asking that question because, right, part of the faith is, like, I don't need to see, I don't need to see God move. I just trust that he is using it. But do you, do you ever get feedback, you know? Do the priests ever say, like, man— I don't know who was praying on Thursday, but wow. Yeah, and I feel like that's really dependent on the priest. Um, so yeah, just depending on the priest. There's some that are, I would say just, some priests are just much more reserved than others and some are just much more vocal about, hey, can you pray for X, Y, and Z? And sure. some just, are, yeah, just much more keep to themselves. Um, yeah, so there are certain priests, um, I mean, I won't name drop, but yeah, there, there was like one particular priest that I was praying for who was just, yeah, he was just so grateful for all of us. And he just, he actually transferred parishes and he was like, I, I have to have a seven sisters team. There wasn't one at the parish that he was going. Yeah. He's like, I have to have a seven sisters team. He's like, these women have been vital to, yeah. Just, yeah. he's like, yeah, he's just like, I need a seven sisters team with where I'm going next. So we did help him find seven women yeah. at his next assignment. Yeah. That's but, awesome. And I guess I'm surfacing another question here. There's no planned interaction between 
father and the seven sisters, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that, again, is up to more so the anchors of the team with how much interaction okay. um, the priest. So when a team is started at a parish, um, the anchors will um, is supposed to just let the priest know that there's a team praying for for mm-hmm. him. And if he ever has any intentions, he can let the anchors know and she can let the rest of the team know. But it's really just letting the priest know, like, you can let us know as much or as little Right, um, but there's total freedom for right, him. It's not right. like, oh, and now you have your meeting with your seven sisters. Yeah. It's just, hey, we're here. We have your back. Mm-hmm. If you want to send prayer requests, great. Right, right. That's that's awesome. So, Katie, I'm just thinking if somebody is listening and they're like, ooh, that's me. Well, that's me in one or either like a, a priest who's listening is like, yeah, that's me. I want, I want a seven sisters apostolate praying for me. Or... Uh, you're somebody who's listening and they, they feel a tug to like, ooh, I like, I need to look into this I, and maybe I need to do this. How do you, let's first, let's start with like somebody who feels called to be an intercessor or at least to investigate it. How do you, how do you get, get a little Seven Sisters Apostolate started? Yeah. Yes. That's a great question. So there's a couple of different ways. Um, one, there's a great website called, it's www sevensistersapostolate.org and the word seven is spelled out. So that's like a great a great place to go if you just are like curious about it. You're like, is this something that I should look more into? Or you're welcome just to reach out to me and I can, yeah, my email is sevensistersomaha at gmail.com. And again, the word seven is spelled out. And I'm happy to just reach out to you or just call you and just kind of help you just discern if this is something that you more interested in. Um, mm-hmm. I've also had some priests too, who a couple of priests in the archdiocese who have reached out to me as well, saying like, "I'm really interested in this. Like, how do I get a group started?" Um, yeah, and yeah. So it's yeah. I would say it's both for both for the lay people who are interested in being an intercessor and for the priests as well. If same, there's any same way. Yeah. yeah. So it's sevensisters.org for sevensistersapostolate.org apostolate.org and then and we'll put these in the, the show notes and then to connect with you personally sevensistersomaha at gmail.com at gmail.com we'll put both of those in the show notes so you can just like so people can just like click on those katie give us an idea here if you had to kind of like just give like the pitch for somebody who's like i don't know i kind of want to like uh, people are like maybe uncomfortably feeling a little bit of a nudge what's the first step i mean obviously they can reach out to you but how does someone maybe know it's like, yeah, the Lord's probably calling me to this? Yeah, I mean, I think with everything, just take time to pray about it and just yeah, see what the Lord stirs in your heart. I feel like when the Lord speaks to me, it's not necessarily like we're having a conversation right now, mm-hmm. but I feel like when the Lord speaks to me in prayer, it's more of just like this just this stirring, this like strong stirring, the sense of peace um, mm-hmm. of just knowing that it's coming from the Lord. And so I would just take take this apostolate to prayer and just ask the Lord to just give you a sense of peace or um, just ask him for guidance in where he thinks you should go next with this apostolate. And yeah, if you feel, if you feel peace towards it, then I would reach out to uh, myself or check out the website. And yeah, I'd be happy to help you with next steps for that. That's great. You know, you're not expecting this question, but I feel like it's like the natural question here. When is there going to be like a seven sisters for people who work at chanceries? Because <laughs> I feel like we're, 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 we're run down. Let's take care of our priests first. But you know, if there's any sisters left over, man, that sounds awesome to have the prayer cover for, uh, gosh, I mean, for all of us, but you know, for those who are 
uh, serving the church. So a little facetious there, but if you ever feel called <laughs> to start a, I don't know what we'd call it, seven sisters or whatever. Yeah. Let's get all of our priests covered in the archdiocese yeah, let's, first. Let's and then... do it. Yeah. Do you have, yeah. What are your, what are your dreams for the future oh, gosh. of this apostolate? So I, a little backstory, I think it was, um, January of 2020, I organized um, a get-together in Fremont. just kind of an informational meeting where we had like the founder come in from the Twin Cities and she just gave like an informational about the Seven Sisters. And we just kind of had a, a big growth in the Archdiocese after that. And then I organized something similar this past May in May of 2022. Mm-hmm. And again, we had a lot of growth after that meeting, that informational meeting as well. And I just desire and pray that every priest within the Archdiocese of Omaha, within our boundaries, will eventually have a Seven Sisters group praying for them. Our priests, they're just so incredibly generous, mm-hmm. and they're literally at battle every day. Yeah. I'm um, just fighting, fighting for us, for, their, for our, their flock. And I just, I can't imagine the amount of spiritual warfare that a priest is going through on a daily basis. And just so, even if we can give them the support of our prayers— by offering them a holy hour each day, by like one woman offering them a holy hour each day, then I know that we're going to be helping them in a way that no physical gift ever could. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a little, I mean, not that like the, you know, the Pepperidge Farms sausage and cheese thing at Christmas isn't nice, mm-hmm. but this is like, this is real. Yeah, yeah. Katie, thank you. Thank you for what you do. Thanks for thanks for coming on. Really fun conver- conversation today. All right, those of you who are listening, Some of you know right away, I don't need to tell you to share this out because you're like, you're right now, you're like, you know, tying up the dog and you're, you're about to like, uh, you're you're turning off the treadmill and you're like, oh my gosh, I need to like email, uh, Katie Keller right now. Uh, but if you know someone who needs to hear this, share this out, uh, tell them to, to listen to it. Yeah. As you, before you, before you get to your destination or you stop your workout or whatever you're doing right now, as you listen to the Kipcast. I want you to stop and say a prayer uh, for the, just pick one, the priest in your life. All right. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>